Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And so today, we have a guest all the way from Scotland. Well, I say all the way from Scotland. I'm here on the East Coast of the United States, and and Ellie, our guest, is in Scotland. And uh, so we haven't actually traveled there to meet with her, but we'll meet meet someday, I'm (laughs) sure. But Ellie is a a member of a group that we've talked about in previous podcasts called uh, Recovery Dundee. And Recovery Dundee is doing some fantastic work over there in the – specifically in Dundee, but, you know, UK-wide, United Kingdom-wide, to educate people about addiction and, most importantly, support people who are in addiction, the people that need that uh, uh, the help and support post-treatment or even during treatment, for that matter. And so, uh, Ellie is a member of Recovery Dundee, and she's going to talk to us a bit about her story, you know, where she was, how she got started into this whole addiction realm uh, what life was like, uh, what happened to her, and, and why why are we here to talk about this today? What brings Ellie here? Um, uh, so I'm just going to refer to her as Ellie. You know, she's just uh, for to protect her uh, anonymity. Uh, we're not going to use her last name today, but we'll let her talk about that. And so, Ellie, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So. Ellie, you're you're a member of. Uh, maybe we can start with this. So, uh, tell us a little bit about Recovery Dundee. What what you're what you know about Recovery Dundee, and and um, and then kind of talk about how you came into contact with Recovery Dundee, and then then we'll go back and we'll talk about your story. How's that? So, uh, uh, what is Recovery Dundee? Um, well, there's a support group for uh, well, people with addictions. Uh, they're there for like the, they've got knowledge because they've been in addiction themselves and they're in recovery. So they're, they're just helping you get through that recovery process. And this is a private organization, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, well, I should say, in, yeah, independent um, organization. And so they're, they're part of the community. And would you say that Recovery Dundee is now your, the primary source of your support? in recovery um well i'm I'm with the the nhs part of that as well but so recovery dundee's the main backbone of my recovery it has been i would say yeah so they they give you that day-to-day support and and help you along um yeah well like they're there at the weekends which is when you need them night times and like they're not a nine to five Monday to Friday, so yeah. Well, is that is that your experience with the NHS? Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you go back to the? Let's go back to the beginning. And I understand that your your presenting issue or your drug of choice choice, if you if you will, as you will, um, is is heroin, correct? <clears throat> yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was because you're. My understanding is you're on a, a methadone treatment program now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did uh, heroin? How did that start with you? Let's go back to the beginning. What can you walk us through? How did you? How did you even come in, into contact with heroin? How did that start? 
Um, well, it was basically used for uh, pain medication due to menstrual cycle, uh, extremely painful uh, bouts of that, and I'd been given uh, morphine injections prior to that from the doctors. So, and then when it was around that, it was always been around. People around me were using it. Um, so I knew that morphine worked and diamorphine's heroin, so it just sort of, I wouldn't say a natural step, but it, it was a natural progression to that. Yeah, so so you were having these menstrual pains, and so you went to the doctor, I'm assuming, at some point, and they gave you morphine, and that was the treatment for the, for the menstrual pains? Yeah, at that time, yeah. So, um, so they were giving it, and that that would be prescribed. And at some point, we went. So, how did how did you go from the prescribed morphine then to, to heroin? Did they just stop giving you the morphine, or um, just being around people? How how did we make that tra- transition? Um, well, it was just basically like the person I was seeing at that time. Uh, they were using it. The people around other around. People, People around me were using it, and at that point I was in pain. It's the weekend, couldn't get hold of a doctor, so I used heroin, and it helped my pain immensely. Yeah. So it's just sort of self-medicated after that. So it just became sort of easier to, to get because of the people that you're around and your, your partner at the time? Yeah, it, it was there, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was there, and um, so your your partner at the time was was a heroin addict. Would you say he was an addict? Um, just sort of starting to use it that time. So we both sort of started to use it, but at the same time, he was first, and then a few months length down the line, I sort of progressed to that. Yeah, yeah, and so then you both progressed to it to it being. Was it a daily? There was a da- daily usage. No, I started off like at the weekend. Well, what started off need, when I need when I had pain, and then it'd be at the weekend. Then it'd be two t- <clears throat> twice in that weekend. Then it'd be during the week. And yeah, it just gradually got more and more. Yeah, it's the progression. It's it the just, progression of addiction. Yeah, yeah, it just comes and hits you. You don't even. Didn't even realize it. Yeah, it kind of sneaks up on you. So, yeah. it, and then at some point, you um, you were you went from using the the morphine that was being given to you through the hospital to uh, at some point you just switched to just using a heroin itself on the street. Yeah, well, I couldn't I couldn't really get anywhere with any of the doctors. Um, I could get that support that I was needing. Um. So yeah, that's I've just fell into addiction that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did you at some point? Did you was the NHS? Did they did they become aware of your addiction? Did you talk to them about that, or did you just kind of slip away no, from them? Nobody knew about my addiction for years. I, I had a twenty three year addiction, and it wasn't until like the last six seven years that. Even my family and that fight actually found out about it. Five or six years, okay. So did they not notice? Mm. They didn't notice that you had this addiction. Uh, no, not really, because I, I really cut myself off, and you only see them like 
funerals, part, birthday parties, that was it. Yeah. Um, and they, they never noticed. Because uh, were, were you having health issues during this time? Um, yeah, well, uh, depress, uh, manic depression. Um, so, yeah, they, they did think there was something wrong, but they thought it was just due to my depression. Yeah. Not eating, losing weight that way, sleeping all the time. Yeah, and so were, were you able to work uh, during this period? Um, at the start, I was I was in work, yeah. But yeah, I, I would that, I would yeah. assume that that, that I, started sorry. affecting your job. Yeah, yeah, I was at university as well, and I had ended up stopping that course and after the first year. So right, yeah, it and, does affect everything. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. And and so your your family had noticed the the weight loss and the other things, and so it sounds like they just attributed that to, um, uh, to to your depression. That that's they just thought that's that's what was causing it. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And um, with me, so. <laughs> was your partner also working at the time? No. No. So this was affecting his ability to work as well. He actually went on selling heroin, so that's why it was around a lot more easier. Right, and so he, so that was affecting his ability to work as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it it progressed over time, and this was uh, you. You said 20, 20 years, or a little bit over twenty years. Twenty three years. Yeah. 23 years. So at a point, it seems to me that with addiction, whether it's alcohol or drug addiction, um, that there comes that sort of that day of reckoning where uh, we, we have to make a decision. We know that we're either going to keep going down that hole and die because that's the, the progression of addiction or we're going to eventually get well. And it sounds like, well, you're here talking to me today. So it, it sounds to me like at some point you made that decision to get to get help um so when let's just start with when did you know something had to be done and then what did you do at that point um well over the years have been numerous times that i've tried to come off the heroin myself but with having a partner in addiction as well that's a codependency was a lot harder uh it's like you feed off each other and I don't know, it's just a lot more difficult. Um, I did try, went into treatment uh, a couple of years before he passed away and uh, it was a horrendous experience I had with the, the, the services, the addiction services here. So it, so he knew that you went into treatment, right? Yeah. Now, did your did your family did the rest of your family know this? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, my mom and that. Yeah. Okay. Were they all Were they all supportive of you going into treatment? How did they look at that? Um. Well, they knew it was a better option than getting this, this drugs off the street. So I think they saw it as a path to getting better, if you like. But um, as my mum since found out, it's a whole, well, that's a whole different story, but 
it's a different reality when you're actually in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you went and so treatment when when you say you got treatment through the this is through the NHS, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that residential? Do you do you live there or is this like an outpatient treatment? It's an outpatient. Okay. Do they do they do inpatient treatment? No, no. Oh, there's no in there's no inpatient treatment there in in Scotland. Not through the NHS, no. Oh, but you can do it privately. Yeah, thousands of pounds worth. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's very, very expensive, but you you can do it. You can do it privately. So you've never been to residential no. treatment, then? No. No. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see the differences between how treatment is conducted, you know, here in the United States and and over there. It, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just very, very, very different sort of process over there. And so when you went. Uh, when you went into treatment, um, wh- so what? How was that handled? I mean, did you go through a detox period? Did you, you know, what? What was? What's the plan when you when you go in and you say, "Look, I'm I'm because I'm assuming you you told them that you were addicted to heroin, correct?" Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and, and so, what what's the plan from there? Um. Well, I you've got to, uh, had to go to a place called Ad Action and. You have to fill out uh, like drug diaries and go and speak to them once a week for I think it was about five six months before I actually got into the drug treatment and on methadone the first time. Five or six um, months. So it's a, yeah, it's a long process. Wow. It's shortened now, but at that time it was a long. It's hard to keep yourself in that goal if it's that piece of time. From when you say I need treatment until you actually got the treatment, it was a long time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is a long time. So five or six months to get to the the point where you're. And let me ask you this: When you went and talked to the NHS, when you first went to um, the, the, went through this process, were you being honest with them about your usage, or were you downplaying it? And. Um, no, I, I was honest because I did want to come off heroin at that point. So I was trying to do, I was trying to do everything to get from A to B to onto methadone to get off the street drugs. Yeah, but it just um, didn't seem whatever I was doing, it didn't get to that point for a, a good time. Yeah, and they and they took five or six months, and so you finally get there, and their answer is to put you on on methadone, which is which is common. That's a that's a pretty common. Um, withdrawal treatment for for heroin, but uh, so they put you on on heroin, or I mean on on methadone. Did you did you stop using heroin, or uh, were you mixing the two at that point? Um, at the start, I was just on uh, the methadone, and then because it's around me again, it's like my partner he never stopped selling it, so there's always that trap of. I'll just do that once and then so yeah and then my methadone kept getting up put up and up so it was just like a vicious cycle yeah oh yeah absolutely and um so you 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 started doing that but at some point um you ended that you you stopped you stopped using heroin correct Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when when did that when did you get to that point where you you finally came off of heroin and where it was just straight methadone 
they gave me an ultimatum that I had a month to give them so many clean uh, urine samples. So from that point on, I did. I didn't take heroin. Okay. And for that month, I gave four clean uh, urine samples. So until the final pain, again, back to pain relief. And when I took paracetamol and codeine, because codeine showed up, they class it as an opiate again. So that's when I was removed from the services, as it's called there. So when you say removed from the, the services, um, did they refer you off to anybody else or were you just cut loose? I was just cut loose. Okay. I was told to go and get myself a habit, a heroin habit again and come back. Wait, let me make me understand. They, they told you to go back and get your hair, go back to heroin and then come back? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so kick you back out um, to get the heroin. And was there any referral to any other service or any other organization to help you? No, no. Because the, the like counseling and all that, that's meant to be done in-house in that uh, treatment place. And so if you're cut loose from that, you're cut loose from everything. It, it, and this educate me on this, and and maybe you can help the audience with this as well. So, um, the so the, are there are there private drug and alcohol counselors in in Scotland that are not associated with the NHS? Yeah, yeah, there'll be private ones. Yeah, but you have to pay for Again, them out of your own money. pocket. Yeah, yeah. There's no insurance coverage that that covers that or anything like that. No, there's no such thing as insurance here. Okay, okay. And again, that and it, just for me and for our listeners, that's just to kind of understand, because I know people listening might be thinking, well, why don't you? Why didn't you just go into a private treatment center or go see a, a doctor on your own? But what, you, what you're saying is, or at least what I'm hearing is that 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 the way that that we we would think of that that doesn't exist in Scotland is what you're saying. No. Yeah. No. So you you pretty much have to. Uh, work with the NHS or uh, go into a private treatment center, but you're going to be paying out of pocket for that. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, um, so I'm taking it at some point. So you you went back to uh, did so when they they kicked you out of the service and they said go get another habit and come back. Did you do that or did you did you get clean? What was the next What was the next stage after that? Oh, I was in back in a heroin habit, um, the heroin hell for three years after that again. Yeah, because I didn't and trust then, to go back to to having that let them have that control over me again. Right, and then so uh, three years, and then at some point, you know, well, we're here talking to you today, so we know that it's a it's a good ending to that story. But you you came back at some point. What happened in the in those three years? That three year, and I. And I and and I like how you say that it was a three year heroin hell, because um, that's exactly exactly what addiction is. It's isolation. It's it's hellish. It, it's just horrible. And you went through that again, and you're lucky to have survived that. But what? So what caused you to come back? What led to that? Um, I've always tried to get out of the the addiction. So, but then um, my husband passed away, and. That still sort of took me another eighteen months to get to go back to the treatment again, um, 
yeah, I just I needed to change my life. I couldn't keep going, couldn't keep doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, and you had other things to live for. So your husband passed away and did, did his addiction, was it caused by the addiction or was, did that contribute to it? Do you know? Uh, it was a contributing factor. Yeah. It was, uh, lung cancer. So yeah, it would have been a contributing factor to that. Yeah. 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 Because I, I understand the, the, you, the method of using heroin was smoking it, correct? Yeah, uh, we didn't use needles. It was just smoked. Just smoked it, yeah. Tinfoil, yeah. So it probably that probably did contribute to the 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 lung cancer, and I'm I'm really yeah. sorry to hear about that. But that had that had an effect on you, and it's and I know you have you have a son, correct? Yeah, a twenty year old. Yeah. Yeah. So you were you you're probably thinking I got to do something about this, and so then you went back to the yeah. NHS. Is that is that was that a, the next step? Uh. Yeah, yeah, but this time um, I had uh, recovery Dundee with me, so it was a totally different experience. Okay, good. So you went back to the NHS, so it's the same NHS that you were dealing with before, but now what you've added mm -hmm. into that mix is recovery Dundee, and very different yeah. experience this time, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't have to wait the five, six months. It was... Uh, like four or five weeks till I actually got back um, from first interview to put to the treatment place, treatment centre, and then put it's then set out a, a plan so I would use the methadone for a short term instead of this long, long term, never ending story with methadone. So that was Recovery Dundee that helped you develop that plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, her, uh, them, and my, my key worker, and my mum. Your key worker is with uh, the NHS. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so you now you develop more of a structured plan, maybe talking about tapering off of methadone, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Instead good. Because help me understand no this: all, is yeah. the um, the NHS? Do they? Uh, so the, their use of methadone, which again is is very common to use methadone to get off of heroin, but um, is there discussions? How do they handle the taper period? Because at some point you want to, I'm assuming you want to get off of methadone. Um, what is the plan? What's the outlook on on that? How do you? What's the plan to get off of methadone? Um. Well, I've haven't got to that point yet, but. Uh, they just they said when I'm ready, I'll start. They'll start cutting it down uh, gradually. I think it's like five mils every couple of weeks or some enough so I can. And so I'm comfortable anyway. Yeah. Um. But I haven't this time. I haven't gone up as high as I did the last time when I first went into the recovery. Center. So when when they, they say when you're the ready, end of the day, I did. I'm sorry, I just, at the end of the day, I did have that in my head that I wasn't going to be on methadone forever. So I didn't want to keep going up because I knew one day it would have to come down anyway. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, did, I mean, how do they determine when you're ready? Do, do you determine that? Do they determine that? How is that, how is that decided? Um, well, uh, it's 
it's in my hands. So when I'm ready, yeah. Okay. You know, um, do they but do I'm they provide? Sorry, I'm just I'm just getting out of having to go out on the street to find money every day and then find the drugs every day. So this last year, that's what I've been doing. It's totally changing my life around to stop having, well, to get over that part of the hurdle. So that's sort of one step, and then the next steps when I'm mentally ready, I'll be cutting that right down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's fantastic that this is allowing you to live your, like get your life back together and um, mm -hmm. not have to sort of scrounge every day to get the, the money for, for drugs and do different things to get drugs. That's the, and that's, mm -hmm. that's a big part of it. Right. I mean, that big part of it is, yeah. you know, because addiction, um, you know, I know that, you know, Back in my drinking days, it seemed like that became the preoccupation was your goal when you got up in the morning, your goal was, well, when am I going to, like in my case, when am I going to be able to drink again, or in your case, be able to use mm -hmm. heroin again? And that's just, and that becomes the focus of life, doesn't it? I mean, that becomes yeah, what yeah, you do physical, every day. Yeah. yeah and, mm -hmm. and it's not because Definitely, you even want to yeah. do it. You have to do it. That's what yeah. addiction is. You have to do it. And and that just becomes mm -hmm. that that cycle of you know that's what you do every every single day, and that's that's part of the hell that that you live in. Yeah, the hell cycle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And now you mentioned that. Um, oh, one of the, one of the thing though you you had mentioned to me previously that during this period um, you had become suicidal. Correct. Yeah, uh, when I was. That's that was before my the addiction. Before the addiction, okay. Like, yeah. So when um, so that was when you were very young when the, when that happened. Yeah, sixteen and seventeen. Sixteen or seventeen yep. years old. So it sounds like maybe and seventeen. Yeah. Okay, and then so you were you were um you you were having were the, were these manic depressive type of episodes that you were having. Yeah. 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 Due to like PMT, that which boy had to to deal with the pain side of that as well. So oh, it's all hand in hand, I think. So um, when that happened, do, do you do you think that the heroin? What you know, because we talk about causes and condition and conditions. I've talked about that in another podcast. You know, so the, we have the the genetic component. You have the part where you become physically, physiologically addicted to a substance. You know, heroin in your case. But we talk about the causes, and mm -hmm. the causes we want to escape from whatever it is, whether it's pain, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, those types of things, or a combination of both. Um, would you would you say that that's probably what was going on at the time when when you finally led to what started your heroin addiction was uh, in your case the 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 physical pain, maybe even the emotional pain mm. of all that. Is that pretty safe to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At well, that time, I was on sort of self-destruct. I didn't really care about myself. So, yeah, it was just anything to escape that reality, I think. Kind of giving up hope. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. And then, then you go into addiction. And then, you know, so you have all those years. And now here you are and you've got the maintenance plan, which is, um, and then the idea here is that uh, the idea of harm reduction, meaning we're going to, we're going to sort of reduce the harm 
that you're doing to yourself, which is is understandable. Mm-hmm. But I guess the the thing that um, it sounds like Recovery D- Dundee is doing for you is like now going to the next. Okay, so we've gotten to this point, but now what do we do? When do we get off of this wagon? When when do we move on from even methadone and just being clean and living life? And would you say that Recovery Dundee mm-hmm. is is helping you along those lines in a way that you're not getting from the National Health Service? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like it's given me a reason to get up in the morning and go out and, well, help other people as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Help me. So, mm-hmm. so when, when you say getting, getting up in the morning and it gives you a purpose and how, how, what have, what has recovery done D for you to help you down that way, down that path? Just being there emotionally. Uh, when you, when I need them, like I can call like Sharon whenever I, when I'm needing and my mum could call Sharon if she thinks she's worried about me. So they're all they're always there if I'm needing help. Yeah. Yeah. So really just sort of that fellowship, that um, connectedness and, and being staying connected mm-hmm. to other people and then having that network yeah, you know, people that I, know you where they yeah, – they know you're not doing well. My mum, she's never been in that, so so she knows that Sharon's been there, so she understands it more. So, yeah, it's just somebody like-minded that's been there and done that and got out the other end. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and has that has that been a big help? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's how I managed to succeed at this time. And did, so, did the NHS provide any of this at all? Any sort of service along this 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 path? I mean, any fellowship, any group? Did they recommend any groups or counseling groups, support groups? No, not at all. No, it's you just deal with them, and that's it. So, there's no small group counseling, us. no one-on-one counseling at all. No, they have a psychologist. Um, she's only at the center. Uh, twice a week but I think it's a long line to see that one person and to this day I've never met her oh you've not even had one appointment with her no no not at all so um if it wasn't for a group like recovery Dundee it sounds like you wouldn't be where you are right now you would not have had the success do you do you credit a lot of the success of your recovery to recovery Dundee yeah definitely yeah well, that that is that is really encouraging to hear that, and um, and I'm I'm just ha- very happy that you are where you where you are now, um, because I, it's um, you realize that when you get to this this point, even with a lot of support, um, so many people don't make it in recovery. So many so many people don't get well because they don't a they don't want it. They don't have that willingness, right? They don't have the willingness to, mm-hmm. to want to get well because that all recovery starts with willingness. You know, I can't make you sober. I, you know, nobody could have made me sober back in the day. It, it, no, it just could not have happened. Yeah. You need to want it, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you and I yeah. uh, had discussed this before, and that was you decided you wanted to get well. And I think you had even mentioned to me that you did not believe that without that basic desire to get well, you're not going to get well, correct? Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Mm. It's not going to work if you don't want it, yeah. So if you, if you were, and, and I know that a lot of people across Scotland are going to be listening to this, and, and particularly people in Dundee, um, 
What would you tell people that are listening to this, that are in your community right now, listening to you, and they're struggling the way that you have struggled? And I will say continue to struggle because addiction is something that we do. Even when you get into long-term recovery, you you deal with it. You deal with that temptation and that desire. So, um, if you were to talk to have a platform to talk to people in in your country and in, in on the street or anywhere around the world for that matter, what would you say to them? What would you say to people? How would you encourage people to get well? Um, just that it's never too late to turn your whole life around and get out of the the hell cycle that you've been in. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and you could do it. Because if anybody, if I could do it, anybody else could do it. So, the, yeah, I love that. I love that phrase. That, that if if you can do it, anybody can do it. Because that I feel the the same way about it. And that's the the title of this podcast is "Recovery Is Possible," because it is possible. And how do we know it's possible? Because other people have done it in front of us. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody out there on the streets right now struggling with um, uh, uh, a heroin addiction like like you did and still do, what would you say yeah. to them? And when I say still do, because the, the addiction does not go away. It's, it's always there waiting mm-hmm. to jump and pounce on us. What would you, somebody sitting there right now in despair, what, 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 uh, what would Ellie say to them? What, would, what should they do right now? You can come to the cafe, the come to recovery Dundee. You can change your. You can go into recovery any day. You could. Sometimes it's planting the seeds, isn't it? It sometimes it's it's just having that basic conversation with people. And when you say uh, mm-hmm. come to the cafe, so if I'm in Dundee, and um, come to the cafe, where where are you guys located? Where is the cafe? Uh, Beans and Berries in Commercial Street. Beans and berries on Commercial Street. And um, mm-hmm. so even if, you know, sometimes recovery is just, it's a process, right? It's not like you don't come, you don't come in and one day, boom, you're, you're, now I have known people, I actually, I have known people, God bless them, have gone to one AA meeting and never had a drink or a drug since. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of rare. <laughs> it does, it does <laughs> happen, but I don't think it. I think yeah. it's more common to have like my experience and your experience where um, it 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 happens. Uh, you you go to meetings because I know in my case I went to AA meetings for years before I ever got sober. And so even mm-hmm. if you're somebody in Dundee and you were you were able to get to Beans and Berries, um, if you're able to get there, and even if you're still using. Go meet the people, meet people like Ellie, meet people like Sharon, meet all the other people that are there and start that conversation and start planting those seeds in, in your mind, you know, cause, cause somewhere in your life, Ellie, right? Somewhere in your life, there were seeds that were planted and it didn't, your sobriety didn't happen right away. It took time, but no. there were seeds that were planted, Right. And, and you could see yeah. other people getting well and other people doing things. And maybe those seeds will be planted at, at, at the cafe where you guys meet. Uh, when, do you guys, mm-hmm. when do you guys meet? Uh, Monday nights and Wednesdays during the day at 1 o'clock, 6 o'clock on Monday. 
Six o'clock on Mondays and then one o'clock on on Wednesdays. The group is there. So anybody out there in Dundee that's listening today, uh, you can meet those people. Meet Ellie, meet Sharon, and others that are there, and start having that conversation about about getting well. And um, what what kinds of activities do you guys do while you're there? Um, well, we go to the gym. Uh, just support for each other. Like if people, somebody's having a down day, um, eh, there's a, a a mic open mic night there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when the lock, when the lockdowns are over, um, yeah, it's just supporting each other can support each other. If somebody's having a bad day, somebody can help them because mm-hmm. somebody else has been there. So. Yeah, I would imagine the lockdowns are having a big a big effect on that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so at this point, uh, you're you're still on methadone now, correct? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's part of the whole system that the, the NH has. Um, you know, it, do, do you have a plan right now or, or are you going to be working on getting a plan to, to come off of methadone? What, what's, where are we going to go from here? Well, the last year it has been sort of a crutch, so I didn't have to you know, even think about going backwards. So I, I, I don't want to go backwards, I want to go forward. So, well, yeah, like I'm going to the gym every day, so it's it's in process. I'll, I will be ready sooner, but yeah, I'll, I'll get there. It's just putting that in process. And yeah. Getting yeah. the headspace, getting the right headspace. So, but it seems like that really the help and the encouragement to be able to do that and to maintain that tapering process is the support is more coming through a group like Recovery Dundee more than than an than the NHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You only get uh, one appointment every other. Well, mine's once a month, but sometimes there could be less appointments than that. Um, so I don't think they're really there to support you at all, no. Yeah. But Recovery Dundee is, yeah. So that's another plug for Recovery Dundee because I know, you know, going through that process myself, that if there was ever a time that you needed to have that support mechanism and and people around you helping you and encouraging you, it, it's during that whole taper process, you know, where you're really, mm-hmm. really fighting it, you know, until your body and your brain yeah. changes. Oh, and speaking of which – um, so I know you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, and that is like the whole process that your your body is going through. You know, in in um, recovery, for those that are listening that aren't aware of this, one hundred percent of all people that come into recovery, everybody is malnourished when they come in. Um, whether you're um, using heroin, whether you're using cocaine, alcohol, all of the above, or maybe a mixture of all those those drugs, it does a lot of damage to your body. And um, there's no one that's using any substance of any kind addictively that it, uh, has nutrition 
that that is adequate for mm-hmm. for their bodies. Uh, with alcohol, I've, I've talked about this in a previous podcast. With alcohol, the vitamins B one, three, six, and twelve serotonin levels are, are low. GABA levels are low. All these things are low. But that's also true with heroin. Plus, um, it's very common for heroin addicts, and I think yourself included, was to not eat properly. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, part of the struggle in early recovery, particularly that that first year, because like you know once you completely get off of methadone, you're going to find it's still going to be a real struggle for at least that first year because your your body has mm-hmm. to heal. So going to the gym, working out, that's that's great. You want to do that. You want to you improve your health, but then diet is a big part of that. And vitamins are important too because you're deficient yeah. in so many things. And when you're deficient, you have that desire to go back to your drug of choice. And I remember you telling me that there are some things that you are doing that um, have proven to be helpful. And you've already noticed some differences. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are you doing for your – besides going to the gym, what are you doing for your health? Uh, well, uh- been taking the vitamin B12 injections every day and the supplements, uh, magnesium, taurine, folic acid, and vitamin D3. Um, yeah, no, I've seen massive difference in myself, health wise, and mentally. More energy? You have yeah, a lot more energy? Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I, even like nine months ago, I wouldn't have seen myself go to the gym every day, even have the energy to do that. But yeah, no, I have. Yeah. Oh, that's fa- that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know that's because all the vitamins are depleted out of your body, and you know the serotonin mm-hmm. level, and then um, sleep. You know, getting proper sleep. So you know, we want to exercise and um, you know sleeping through the night and getting the the pre- now. I'm you know. I know you know, and Sharon knows that I'm a bit of a hypocrite about that because uh, Sharon <laughs> Sharon writes she'll write to me, and it will be three in the morning here in the United States, and I'm responding. So uh, I, I'm I'm hey I'm a work in progress too. So I I know <laughs> sleep is important, but I also know that I don't even practice yeah. that that my, myself. I, I get that, but we want to strive mm-hmm. to do that that in early recovery yeah. in particular because there's a lot of healing of your body that takes place. When you're um, when you're sleeping through the night, and so regulating your sleep is important mm-hmm. too, right? And then, yeah, not just the supplements, you know, taking the supplements, but getting a balanced diet, you know, fruits and vegetables, and um, you know, mm-hmm. getting that into your body, um, and really repairing all the damage that we've done over the years. And as you just mentioned, yeah. you already feel a big difference, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally. So, Massive difference, yeah. So, but I, I just really love the fact that Recovery Dundee is there for you, and it's there for the the rest of the people in the community of Dundee because Dundee has um has a problem, doesn't it? Um, you guys have the unenviable uh, distinction of being uh, what I read is the drug death capital of Europe. That's that's what I read. Yeah, and it's, a it's capital a, of everything. Yeah, it's a Big, big problem there, and, and and there's no reason for that. And, you know, particularly a city that's as beautiful as Dundee, uh, a great country like Scotland, to have this kind of a problem. But I know, and you know, it is a problem that has a solution. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, for the listeners today, 
there is a solution and you're moving towards that solution. And just again, tell our listeners, what is it that you would ask people to do today that are listening, that are struggling with addiction of any sort? What would you want them to do? Look for help. Look for help. Yeah. Yeah. But like on help for recovery Dundee on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. online. Yeah. No, you definitely, you need to actually look for that help, yeah, and you will find it, yeah. So, uh, Facebook, Twitter, do you guys have a, is there a website also, or you, you just, on, on Facebook? No. Okay, Facebook, Facebook yeah. and Twitter, then that's Recovery Dundee. And um, so, it sounds like, you know, your life has gotten, and even in this sh- short amount of time, your life has gotten a lot better, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Man, that that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so recovery's been a good thing. I've never I think you're you're another example of one uh, a person that uh I've never heard somebody get into recovery and get well and say, "You know what? Um now that I think about it, my life was better when I was using. I think I'll go back." Uh, I've never <laughs> heard that from anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of people go back because the because of the addiction is a disease of the brain. It's a disease of the body and it's a, a disease of the brain. And it is a disease mm-hmm. that keeps telling you to go back to the the very things that destroy you. So it is, is it a disease yeah, wait, in that in that regard. All over the way. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. always triggers, but yeah, you just got to try and deal with that and find a way to handle it, yeah. Yep. Yep. And and we're always dealing with those triggers, but early on, it, you have to be very, very careful with that. But life has gotten better. And um, so anybody that's out there, your life will get better too if you reach out and get the help. But, but like uh, Ellie said, you got to want, first of all, I need to make that first decision, right? And so uh, not, you know, I'm not necessarily promoting 12-step programs. I am a 12-step program person myself, but I think what you're saying kind of relates to step one of AA, which is uh, my uh, I'm powerless over alcohol. My life has become unmanageable. Now we can replace alcohol with heroin, cocaine, sex, gambling, anything else. My uh, I'm powerless over this, and my life has become unmanageable. And if you're if you're listening today and you're at that point and uh, you realize your powerlessness and the unmanageability of your life, understand it does not have to stay that way. You can get better. There are people that will help you. And in Dundee, Scotland, there there is a group of people that will help you too if you just reach out. Now, even if you're not ready to get well, reach out, talk to these people, visit with them um, because you then can at least start engaging in those conversations and planting those seeds that can be watered over time. To, to help you get better. And maybe, just maybe someday, and you never know, maybe the desire to get fully clean and sober will creep up and grab you like it has us and it has with, with Ellie. And um, so, Ellie, you know, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you. It's brave, very brave of you to, to get out and talk about your story. And um, you never know who's going to be listening to your story and who it's going to help. Because there's somebody out there listening right now that listens to your story and says, that lady is speaking to me. She's speaking to me right now, and I want what she has. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you. It wasn't as sore as I thought it would be. <laughs> I told you not to be nervous. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just going to wrap up here. And like I say, I don't represent any group. Um, I do mention 12-step groups there, but I don't represent 12-step groups. I'm just telling you, 
what I utilize for my own uh, recovery and wellness. So uh, I don't represent anyone other than myself. I, I don't represent Recovery Dundee. We're just talking about them today and offering that as a resource to you. And you can visit uh, them if you'd like to on Facebook or on Twitter. And that's Recovery Dundee. My only purpose is in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me and maybe it's going to help you as well. I know there's somebody out there listening today that can uh, relate to Ellie's story. And um, and I just hope and pray that you will reach out to get the help today if you can get it. So if I've said something or Elliot said something to you, to you that you don't agree with, um, then just discard it. Just try to use something that you can if it's useful to you. And that's what we do in recovery is we help uh, ourselves as long, along the way and we try to impart our knowledge to help others. So with that, please visit uh, my Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, or my website, which is manmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how we're doing and what we can do to help you. And if there's a topic that you're interested in, maybe we can talk about it. So take care and I will see you guys next time.